Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie Ann Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds, from our little corner of the world, at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University in New Orleans. We- Welcome to the Hello from the Pluriverse podcast, sponsored by the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University, where we discuss the works of different designers and design thinking practices. Hello, my name is Michaeline Engelmeyer, and I am a first uh, year student in the Master of Public Health Nutrition program. I'm a design thinking graduate assistant working here at the Taylor Center, and I'm here today with co-host Natalie. Natalie, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Natalie Hudnick. I'm in my second year in the Master of Public Health and Maternal and Child Health program here at Tulane School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine. And I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center. I'm originally from outside St. Louis, Missouri, and I have a bachelor's degree in cultural anthropology. And today, uh, we're going to be listening in on the interview of Julia Lang. Julia Lang is the Assistant Director for Career Education at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center at Tulane University. She leads two major programs here, Taylor Your Life, which she founded, and the Changemaker Institute. Julia is all about teaching students to embrace a design thinking mindset towards your work and your life. And a design thinking mindset has not only been used by Julia in her program, but also in her own life showing just how design thinking can help designers and non-designers re-examine and restructure your life. This interview was originally recorded in fall 2019. Natalie and I are here today to hear a little bit about what Julia has to say about her approach to design thinking. After the recording, we'll be here to discuss our thoughts and what we learned and hopefully spark some discussion for our listeners. Let's take a listen. My name is Julia Lang. I'm Assistant Director for Career Education at Taylor. And I use design thinking in my work through the teaching of Tailor Your Life, which is a career education class that uses design mindsets to help students design their futures. And in the work that I do and with the class, it's focused on um, students interested in change making, so helping students connect their academic interests with their desire to create positive social impact. And so when you apply the design thinking mindset to life design or to to career education, it works. I I found it really effective in terms of helping students accept first where they are, not where their mother or guardian or advisor wants them to be, but where they actually Mm -hmm. are in the process. Um, Empathizing with the past and the history that they've had and the, the influences that they've received from society as well as their own family about work and if work is a positive, joyful thing, if it's a shameful um, experience, if, if what their parents viewed as work, what realm of work their parents or whoever raised them 
thought was appropriate and helping students to kind of ideate beyond those beyond those restrictions mm -hmm. um, helping students define narrow in on what it is they're actually interested in brainstorm ideate come up with lots of potential solutions and then build real prototypes those experiences in the real world because the idea mm -hmm. of being a teacher is really different than actually watching someone teach and thinking of how it would be for you or teaching and trying that. Yeah, when I think of design thinking, I think of um, a process that is centered on creating human-centered solutions. So a process that keeps the user, the person you're creating the solution for, in the center of every design decision. Mm -hmm. um, it's a process that comes in without any formal expertise other than paying attention to what you're observing and witnessing and learning and then building based off of that. Um, and to continuously have the flexibility to refine and prototype and iterate and to never be caught in this linear pathway of a, we do this, then we do this, then we do this, but to constantly be coming back to the drawing board and back to your user to see what's working and what doesn't work and how can we tweak this to make it a better product or service or experience for the people that we're aiming to serve. Design thinking is a really big process, right? So I, I guess I'll focus on one aspect of it. Um, so one of the roles that I do here is I lead our social venture accelerator for graduate students. It's called the Changemaker Institute. So students typically, or students apply to that program with a particular idea in mind. I want to create a um, residential home for kids aging out of the foster care system, or I want to mm -hmm. create a consultant organization that's going to help public health officials treat migrant workers. Um, those are real examples of ones that I've had in the past few years. So students come in and they're hungry to hit the ground running and build this thing that they've thought up. And so a lot of what I do is try to put, put, the, put the brakes on and rewind a little bit and then okay. hold them accountable to really talk to the users um, that, they, that they're hoping to design for and to be really open to their idea changing um, completely or to ch changing in small ways. But there's no way that anyone can just come up with, out of thin air with an idea that's going to work perfectly when, if they're not the user. Maybe if they are the user, they could for their own lives. Um, but usually there's other voices that need to be heard. And so in the Changemaker Institute, we focus a lot on that empathy piece and doing human-centered research um, as well as book research and looking up the history about any issue that the students are trying to tackle, but also really talking to people and changing their ideas based off what they hear. Yeah, well, I think our identities are coming into play all the time on, at every level, consciously and subconsciously. Um, so with the students in the Changemaker Institute, I spend a good amount of time having them think through based off the identities that they have, how are they going to be perceived in the communities that they are aiming to work with? So, you know, as a white middle-class woman, what might it look like if you're working with a organization in New Orleans that is 90 or 95% black? Um, as someone that comes from a higher socioeconomic status or as someone that is US born, working with people that are non-US born. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's crucial for any social impact work at least to spend some time thinking about the identities that you bring to the table mm -hmm. and ones that you'd spend a lot of time thinking about and ones that you don't 
Um, and often the ones that we don't spend a lot of time thinking about are the ones that are where we hold privilege and where people that don't have those identities will most notice those differences. Mm -hmm. um, and so in terms of career, um, I think it comes into play in terms of students considering their, how their identities might help or hinder them based in their professional journey. So like the, mm -hmm. you know, the white boys club, um, if there's a woman of color that wants to enter into a certain field mm -hmm. or I train students on salary negotiation and we show them all the statistics about how a white woman compares to a white man, how a black woman compares to a white man and then black women to, like, we do it based on gender and we do it based on race mm -hmm. um, in terms of looking at five or five main racial identities. So helping students to know that the, the cards are stacked <laughs> um, before they right. even enter the game and to have the confidence to, to see that, um, it, that that is the reality and that they unfortunately do need to prepare to um, in, or, in order so they, they can feel empowered entering those conversations that might inherently be disempowering based off mm -hmm. particular identities that they have. Um, I got involved through working here. My background's in civic <coughs> learning community immersion with students mm -hmm. and the Taylor Center. I was really interested in working here because it had the social impact piece, but the design piece was new for me. So mm -hmm. the first few years that I worked here, it was just learning more about what mm -hmm. design thinking was. And I spent a good amount of time leading workshops like crash courses um, that are pretty standardized. You don't have to think that much on the spot. And, and then I think it, it began to really resonate with me. I just, I really liked the process. And when I read this book called Designing Your Life, um, it was one of those aha moments where it just, everything kind of clicked and I could see you know, what I'd done in my work in civic education and community version with students could be so beautifully combined with the mindsets of design thinking. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so for me, it was jumping in as a learner. Um, when I was developing the Taylor Your Life curriculum, it was just reading book after book, curriculum after curriculum, and a master document where any small pa paragraph or any, any idea that I had based off what I was reading, I just dropped into this one document. Mm -hmm. And then it was like making a puzzle where I had all these puzzle pieces and then lumping them together and changing it a thousand times to build out what could be a curriculum. Um, so for me, it was learning the best designs from other people, which then led into a design that I was able to piece together myself. I think design thinking can be really helpful because the future is coming more rapidly, it seems, than ever before. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you write out your business plan, the, the ecosystem has changed, right? Or as soon as you create this product, there's, a, there's already products that are 10 steps ahead. And so design thinking is a great tool because you're literally, I mean, every design was creating something that didn't yet exist from, right? This water bottle, mm -hmm. you need something to drink water out of and, oh, it'd be great to have a container and a straw that makes it really easy. And like mm -hmm. that came through better understanding people and their needs. Mm -hmm. And so I think that design thinking allows a really nimble process that can respond in real time to the needs of humans or governments or mm -hmm. any group um, and then create something out of what was not there before. Um, I also think that it 
one design thinking is done well, it merges a lot of different disciplines, a lot of different designers with mm -hmm. different backgrounds versus a more traditional design firm. And in a rapidly expanding but more globalized world that we need to be able to talk to each other and understand each other and mm -hmm. have a lot of different input. And that's where you see design go going really wrong, right? Like these awful commercials that end up being really right. racist or sexist. And that's because there were not certain designers in the room that shared those identities. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the best designs and the most thoughtful <coughs> designs, the most innovative designs arise when people are really thinking wild and big. And it was funny, I, was, I, I did this presentation on the future of work and I was looking at projections about the future 50 years ago that were seemed outlandish at the time. It's like, I mean, from hoverboards to, mm -hmm. you know, blackboards that just had like images on them. And mm -hmm. essentially everything that was projected that seemed crazy actually came to be. So that was yeah. the big wild and wacky ideas of people 50 years ago that are now here. Realities. So taking away the judgment and just really allowing people the, the space to, to think a lot bigger and mm -hmm. um, I brainstorm beyond what exists now is probably the best way to help us. Absolutely. When I was creating Taylor Your Life, I was in an eight year relationship and I was engaged. And in the process right. of creating that curriculum and really thinking about the design that I wanted for my life, I ended my eight year relationship. Wow and my engagement um, with a wedding dress in my closet and lived on the floor of a dance studio for three weeks and totally restructured my life. So I have found it to be incredibly effective and powerful mm -hmm. um, and it has changed the way that I approach my personal life through that mm -hmm. example, as well as um, trying to help friends and when they're in crisis and trying and being a better listener and empathizing and mm -hmm. having them think through ways they can prototype, right. Instead of these big drastic changes mm -hmm. moving across the country or quitting their job. Um, I found myself to be coaching friends, really peers um, about small tweaks that they can make just to test the water and dip their toe in. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've done for myself as well um, in my professional life and my personal life to see if I actually do want to do that thing. Um, and, and I am, I, I'm more critically, I'm more critical when looking at um, how policy is enacted or how nonprofits go about their work. Or I think I am always looking for that human centered component that is not mm -hmm. always there. I think constantly being open to learn and not coming into the room pretending to be the expert mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, whatever design like when I meet with my Taylor life teachers it's always it's you know y'all are the experts here like they're the ones that actually are trained to be career educators or are trained to be advisors mm -hmm. to students and I'm using this process to create a product but I that product's only as good as I, I mean, I'm, I'm always wanting to learn how I can better the curriculum. And I think that's what has really helped the class and helped the design, if you will, mm -hmm. because I have created a lot of structures to get that. So I think um, flexing the, the muscle that allows you to hear criticism or hear mm -hmm. what's not working, I think a lot of people find that really challenging and they, try mm -hmm. to, they, they tend to just defend what they've done instead of 
listen and iterate based off of the feedback that they've received. Mm-hmm. Um, I think relationship building and trust building is core. Um, if anyone's going to trust you to design anything for them, let alone if you're going to actually be able to hear authentically what people want. Um, people <coughs> say one thing, but not the truth. Um, mm-hmm. and, and having the ability to see through that or to be patient or to find other ways to spend time with people and build relationships and trust so you actually can create a design that is in line with what is needed or wanted. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for listening along with us. Now we're just going to talk a little bit about our takeaways from the interview. So um, in terms of you know what I learned about design and design thinking and social innovation from this interview, I thought the process of uh, design was a lot more complicated than what Julia made it to seem. Um, the way she described it was that the process of design should center on the person who the design is for. And it's okay to keep coming back to the drawing board and create new iterations of the design and to keep tweaking it until it serves the needs of the person in question, which I think is just such a beautiful way to look at it. Um, what do you feel like you learned about you know, design thinking from this interview? So I also um, thought about the same things too, because how you said Julia thought, talked about how this user should be at the center of the design process. And I, the way I took about that was that who you're designing for should always be at the center because they know they will know what works and what doesn't. And I think part of this process, like Julia talked about, includes flexibility and understanding that you'll need to change your ideas more than once to fit what the user user's needs and wants are, rather than what your needs and wants are as a designer. So both of us are not formal designers. Uh, Michaeline, what advice did you take away from this episode for non-designers who are using design methods? Um, that's a great question. I, I learned that it's important to pay attention to what we observe, witness, and learn through the process, and then use that to inform our approach to designing the solution we're trying to design. And that awareness makes a lot of sense, especially as two students without, you know, formal design training. Um, and for us, you know, in the field of public health, um, public health practices are hugely collaborative, and you can't be an expert in everything. So you really need to rely on your you know, circle of professionals. So using our observations to collaborate on design ideas and learn through the process sounds like a great place to start. Um, what do you feel like your takeaways were? Yeah, I think one of the biggest big, biggest pieces of advice that I took away from Julia's interview was that you won't come up with an idea out of thin air that is going to work perfectly. Ideas that are going to work and solve the problems that your user wants and needs solved have been adapted and adjusted over time. And I think this process in adapting and adjusting ideas is done by continually working with the user and any other collaborators with the project, because um, they're the ones who will critique your work, um, which we all need to be able to hear. We, we need to hear that critique and we need to be able to actively listen to what the critiques are to make our designs better and to yeah. make any projects better, honestly. That's a really great takeaway. Um... Yeah. Do you feel like there was anything about the interview that um, Julia said that surprised you or that inspired you? Yeah. One of the things that Julia said in her interview was that design thinking is a nimble process that can respond in real time. And I really like this phrase and this outlook on design thinking. And while design thinking is a process, it's definitely not a linear one. And she talks about that a little bit. And because it's non-linear, I think this allows for flexibility in adapting designs or projects that are using design thinking to respond to new problems that a user may have uh, for whatever reason that it comes about, whether it's 
quickly coming about or just because of international crises or something that either their country or their community is going through, design thinking allows us to adapt to those new crises. What about you? Yeah, definitely. Um, Julia explained in her interview that within the Changemaker Institute, the empathy and human-centered pieces of design meet the book and research-centered approaches. And that was really inspiring to hear because I feel like sometimes I can tend towards black and white thinking and not really seeing the nuance of things. But hearing Julia explain this approach that takes into account both, you know, the empathetic and the creative alongside the logical and evidence-based appeals to black and white thinkers because it really invites you to ask, why not both? So I thought that was really great and really inspiring. Yeah, that's a good, like, inspiring thing to take away that I hadn't thought about. Um, was there anything you wanted to learn more about uh, with about this interview, about Julia, about her process? Yeah, I would have just loved to hear a little bit more about her early life journey and the things that set her on this path towards design. I feel like people's identities, you know, really shape their approach to things. So that would have been really interesting to learn about. What about you? Yeah, um, I, I think the same thing. I, I would have really liked to hear more about her journey too. Um, our own experiences are important to understanding why we do the things we do, especially with design thinking. I would have also liked to hear more about her students' opinions on the program she leads and how they might have adapted to a design thinking mindset after they took the course or how they've evolved throughout it itself. Yeah, that is a really great thought. But enough of what we think. What do you think, listener? Uh, please feel free to check out our website and let us know what you thought about this episode in the comments. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this interview from our Hello from the Pluriverse series. A special thank you to Arturo Escobar, the author of Designs for the Pluriverse, for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design. Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees, our Design Thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran, and Wissal, the students of the Fall 2019 SICE 3010 class, Levante, Lucas, our editor, and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to taylor at tulane.edu. And also you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.